Welcome back to the G-Truth. We have a lot of stuff going on this weekend, and there's only so much I can cover. Um, we had the Browns getting spanked last night. Pretty sure the score was 31-3 to against the Niners. Yeah, I could not have seen that coming. That was out of nowhere. That was out of left field. We had the Patriots struggling a bit against the Redskins, eventually winning 33-7. to We have the Cowboys and Packers facing off. Cowboys lose just by a bit, just by a bit. There's only so much, there's only so much I can cover. We got NBA preseason going off. We have Markel Fultz actually maybe getting somewhere. We have Alonzo Ball, Zion Williamson. We have the New York Lakers, Clippers. All of it's coming really fast. We have the playoffs too. Oh, this is probably one of the best months if you're a sports guy like me because you have basketball starting soon. You have football halfway through the season almost. And you have baseball in the playoffs in the World Series just as basketball is starting. It's great. But I want to go over a couple things first. Um, first thing off is that the band that I have for this week is actually one I haven't listened to for a long time, but actually just recently started listening to again. And that is called Three Days Grace. Three Days Grace. Now, I first listened to this band in 7th and 8th grade. And it got me through some really, really tough times in my life. Um, a lot of the, the, the genre overall of the whole band is hard rock. So... It's not like heavy metal where you're like bashing your head, but pretty close to it. But I remember it, and I just got back to listening to it. Their new album from not really new, 2018 release called Outsider. I got back to listening to that. I really liked it. Um, their previous album before that in 2015 called Human is, in my opinion, one of their best albums. Um, every single song from that I really, really enjoy. Outsider, most of the songs I really enjoy. Um, there are some really good ones, like uh, Abyss, um, Chasing. Um, I'm blanking out. I'm gonna look it up quickly. Chasing the first time. That's what it was. Chasing the first time. That's really good. Infrared is really good from that same album, Outsider. I am an Outsider is also really good. Just check it out. Listen to it. It's really good. Now for the inspirational biography today i'm gonna go with a good old classic jimmy butler jimmy butler now his story is even though he's not a superstar slash maybe star in the nba he is still an all-star caliber player really really good really good and his story starts his father left when he was really really young infant toddler really really young Grew up, single mother, and when he was 13, his mom kicked him out of his house, and he was essentially homeless. Eventually, word got around to his friends. His friends took him in. He bounced around from friend's house to friend's house because he, he didn't want to be a burden to his friends by living there with his friends. And and for me to hear that, it's, it's crazy to, to think that. He's homeless, but he's still being out there and considerate to his friends and not trying to barge into their privacy or security or anything like that. Eventually, he got into the basketball team, wasn't really a huge star. Um, he did put up quite 
good statistics and was not heavily recruited. Uh, went to a junior college. Again, had to work his butt off to get to where he is now. And that's basically the whole story, general story. And even though he gets a bad rap for for destroying chemistry or being a nuisance in the locker room, I don't buy any of that. I really, really admire Jimmy Butler. Even though you have those headlines or rumors, I I think it all comes down from a place of hard work and from a place of experience where you know where he didn't have people looking out for him all the time. Even though his friends and his friends' family did look out for him, he still had to work his butt off to get to where he is now rather than being set up almost. So he had to take his life, his destiny in his own hands, in a, in a way. So take some inspiration from that. I know I do. It's one of the reasons why I work hard all day, all, all the time. Anyways, let's get into it. So I got three topics for today. I got the Patriots and their struggles for these past two weeks against the Bills and the Redskins. And I got the uh, NBA division. I'm not going to say which one yet or how that's going to work. But it's basically a look ahead for a division. So stay tuned for that. I know I didn't really explain that very great, but just stay tuned for that. And I also have, sadly, where I've been completely off the mark. And this is not my previous segment of uh, spot on or spun off. No, this is where I've just, this is just spun off. This is just where I've gotten completely incorrect. But it should be really fun. So let's get into the first topic of the Patriots. The Patriots are fine. They're, they're fine. I know that they struggled offensively against the Bills, only putting up 16 points. And that was partly because the defense the defense put up six points, slash special teams, because of the blocked punt for a touchdown. Tom Brady has not been playing like himself lately, throwing interceptions, ill-advised throws overall. They were playing pretty poorly against the Redskins for quite some time until eventually they got their act together and won 33-7, but they were down 6-7 at some point. Part of that's because Mike Nugent missed the PAT, but that would have made it 7-7. Seven seven. So offensively, they've been in trouble. And despite that, I think that they're fine. They're fine. They're five and zero. They've played against inferior teams. Yes, they play against the Steelers, Dolphins, Jets, Bills, Redskins. First five games, and in those five games against those bad teams, their defense has been feasting. It's just been taking over and just doing all the work. Really, they've allowed less than seven points per game. Yeah, that is that is insane. I. I don't even know how that's possible. But part of that's part of that scheduling, but also their defense is just that good and experience. And it's one of the best in the league by far. And yes, they haven't faced it on an offense with Juggernaut, but you can trust that defense to hold its ground when it goes against uh, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers possibly, Carson Wentz, stuff like that. But 
this defense has helped them a lot, the Patriots overall, in one specific way that I want to talk about is that it's had it's kept Tom, Tom Brady off the field and kept him fresh and healthy and all that stuff. And even though it has been doing that, the offense for the Patriots has been struggling. Yes, they've put up 31 points per game, but part of that's in part of that's misleading. It's misleading because their offense has struggled against the Bills and Redskins. First three games, Sailors, Dolphins, and Jets, it's been just steamrolling them. But these past three games, it's really, really been struggling. But I'm here to let you know they will be fine. They will be absolutely fine for three reasons. They've had, they've had weak teams, and they're going to have weak teams for two more weeks. They're going to have an easy 7-0 start. Granted, no one get No one important to that team, even though it's a huge system and cop. System is not the right word. Huge machine. Don't put it that way. They should go easily 7-0. And second reason is that they're going to turn it up when it comes to playoff time. They're experienced. They know when to turn it up. And the third reason why I believe in them still, and I think that they're fine for now at least, is that they haven't really had any sort of conflict or motivation yet. Yet. So I'm going to talk about my first point. Pretty easy 7-0. They play against the Jets this week. Yes, Sam Darnold's coming back. But really, they'll be fine. And they play against the Giants after that. Come on. Yes, Daniel Jones has been pretty nice, but he's not a rookie against Bill Belichick. I don't think there's ever been a time where Bill Belichick with the Patriots has lost to a rookie, or Tom Brady has lost to a rookie. I don't know when. I don't think it's possible at all. So that's two wins right there. And at that point, when you're 7-0, they basically have the reign of the whole division at this point, even though the Bills are 4-1. and one. The, the Patriots have... The, the division pretty much secured, granted Tom Brady does not get injured. And also going 7-0, you pretty much have a playoff spot secured because as long as you don't lose every single game from then on, you pretty much have a playoff spot. You pretty much do. And that brings me, yeah, that brings me to my second point. There we go. That brings me to my second point. With the playoff spot, practically guaranteed, the Patriots are going to do what the Patriots have always done. Go after one of the top two seeds. Get that first round by so you get so that you don't have to play in the wild card game or play an extra game in the playoffs. Keep yourself healthy and get ready to game plan. Because that's what the Patriots are all about. Game plan. They're all about game planning. And to further this notion that the Patriots need that first round by since 2010, the Patriots have had a first round bye. That's nine seasons. That's nine seasons in a row, and they're probably they're probably going to continue that this season, making it ten seasons in a row. Of those nine of those nine seasons, five of them have been first seeds, four of which have been two seeds. But I think that they'll go for the first seed for sure, and I think that they'll get it. I think they'll get it. 
And I think that that's really in the back for them. It's laid out for them. So they're going to be fine there. When it comes to playoff time, they'll be fine. With their spot in the playoffs, they'll be fine. Now, for the third point, and the most crucial one, they don't have that motivation yet. They've played against pretty bad teams. Steelers, Dolphins, Jets, Bills, Redskins. Of all those teams, only one has a winning record, the Bills. And you put the Bills offense against Bill Belichick's defense, yeah, you should win that game. And they did. But they haven't had real they have they haven't had any real motivation yet. Yes, they've called themselves underdogs. No one believes in us. They say Tom Brady's old. No one believes in them. Oh, you can't go back to back to back to back to back and keep on going to the Super Bowl over and over and over and over again over oh, the most hated team. Yes, that's worked. Yes, they've had that motivation. But at that point, it gets old after a while. You can't keep motivating yourself like that. So, I think that they're going to find another way to motivate themselves. They have... So after that, Jets and Giants, two-week, week six, week seven matchup, they have a six-game stretch of potentially touching. Potentially tough, I can't speak today. Potentially tough teams. They have the Browns. Ha ha ha. I know. They'll be fine. Just wait. They have the Browns, and then the Ravens, and then the Eagles, and then the Cowboys, Texans, and then ending off with the Chiefs. Now, for me, I think that they're, 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 they're going to win all, probably all of those, except for one. Except for one. And that one. Is the Chiefs. Is the Chiefs. I think that the Pats are new. 15 and 1. And they're gonna lose to the Chiefs. Yeah. That sounds about right to me. And the, and and the reason why this is so important is because they can lose to any other team, including the Chiefs. They can lose to the Texans. They can lose to the Browns, to the Ravens, to the Eagles, to the Cowboys. And guess what? They'd be like, it's fine. We'll be fine. Eagles, Cowboys, they're in the NFC. We're not going to see them in the playoffs unless it's the Super Bowl. And they're probably not going to go to the Super Bowl. Browns are not a playoff contender just yet. Same with the Ravens. They're still a bit too young. So that's four teams right there that if they lose to, they're not concerned about. And then the Texans. Texans, what what, what have they done in the playoffs? What have what have they done? I don't, think, I don't think they've gone to a conference championship yet. And they've gotten steamrolled every single time they've gotten somewhere. So that X's them out from there. The last one is the Chiefs. And they're a real threat because of Andy Reid. Yes, I know. Andy Reid. Oh, he hasn't done anything in the playoffs. I get it. And I agree. But... He has given Bill Belichick fits. He has given him problems on the offensive side of the ball against Bill Belichick's defense. He has always put up big numbers against Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick has been coaching since forever, since the dawn of time, since the dinosaurs. And he's only allowed 
40 points or more, seven times. With the Chiefs, Andy Reid has had three of those seven. Three of those seven. And, and if those were like eons ago, I'd be like, oh, that's a, no, no need to worry. But those three games come in 2014, 2017, 2018. 2014 was with Alex Smith. Alex Smith, you put up 40 points against Bill Belichick's defense with Alex Smith, who is right now rehabbing through a leg injury. I'm pretty sure it's a leg injury. 2017 and 2018 were with Patrick Mahomes. Wait, no, that's incorrect. Is that correct? 2018 was first year with Patrick Mahomes. 2017 was not with Patrick Mahomes. Either way, back-to-back -back years, though. Yeah, 2017 was with Alex Smith, still. 2018, Patrick Mahomes, still. Back-to-back -back years of allowing 40-plus points to the Chiefs, and Patrick Mahomes is only getting better. He's only going to get better. Now, now, do I think that this game against the Patriots and the Chiefs near near the end of the season is going to be a shootout? Probably not. Maybe. I don't know. I really don't know. But the threat is there. The threat is there. And I think that the Chiefs win that game. And I think that that really puts the pressure on the Patriots. And that finally awakens them. Because, yes, they've been saying, like I've said before, where they say Tom Brady's all we're underdogs, people are doubting us, Tom Brady's falling off a cliff, whatever. Whatever. But, if they lose against the Chiefs, it'll be a wake-up call of true motivation of saying, hey, our AFC throne is in trouble. It is in trouble. And I think that as soon as they lose to the Chiefs, not any other team, lose to the Chiefs, they'll have the motivation and they'll just steamroll through everyone in the playoffs. Except for the Chiefs, probably. But they'll have that motivation and that fire in them to say, hey, we're not we're not out yet. Yes, yes, they're up now. Yes, they're on the rise. I can't speak for whatever reason. Yes, they're on the rise. But we're the Patriots, and we're still going to win. So I think the Patriots are going to be just fine. It's just going to take some time for them to get the motivation to start playing better. Because they have the full ability to do that. Alright. Here comes more interesting. Well, I'm going to say more interesting, but more... Hopefully I explain this well. Second. Alright. I'm going to be talking about the NBA, and NBA division because the preseason the preseason has already started, but the season has yet to start. That starts, I believe, October 22nd. October 22nd. I'm pretty sure that's right. And, yeah. So I want to go over... So there are six divisions in total, three divisions per conference. I want to go over each division and each team in the division as a whole 
but not as a, oh, this is my prediction of how many wins they'll get, but more of what their plan is going into the season and what their goal is. They're very, very similar, but the goal is more like, what do, what do they want to have to say, oh, we accomplished this at the end of the season. The plan, or what I'm going to call what now, is more of what they're going to do throughout the season, or what they hope to do throughout the season. The end goal is some sort of thing that they can look to and say, hey, that's what we did. We accomplished that. All right, so let's start. The NBA division I'm going to talk about today is the Atlantic division, which is in the Eastern Conference, and that is home to five teams, one, two, three, four, four of which made the playoffs last season, and one of which was NBA champion. Yes, that is correct. The Raptors, 96ers, Celtics, Nets, and Knicks are all in that Atlantic division in the Eastern Conference. So, why not start with the team at the top that won the championship, had the best record out of all those teams, Toronto Raptors. So, right there. Alright, they're obviously the champions, but they're not the same caliber, obviously, with Kawhi Leonard leaving. And... Yeah, I mean, they're obviously not going to win the championship this year, but they still have some pieces there. They still have Pascal Siakam, Marcus Gasol, Fred VanVleet, Cal Lowry on a one-year deal. They still have pieces. They obviously have Passion McCaw, who has been to back, to back, to back, three-peat titles. Yes, I know that that's been going around. I keep up with stuff like that. It, it is funny so what is their plan going into the season? What is their what now that we have won the championship? It all starts with Pascal Siakam. He's young. He's young. And it's all about grooming him in, from a budding star, from a rising star, into a full star. And into a complete number one option. And overall, I think this, this should go pretty well. It should be pretty smooth, especially since they have a couple veterans on that team. They have... Kyle Lowry, Marcus Hall, and Serge Ibaka. So it, the grooming process for Pascal Siakam, especially as a big man, should be pretty, pretty smooth, pretty nice. And now from there, it becomes about pairing him up with the younger pieces. You got Fred VanVleet, Rondé Hollis Jefferson. You got OG Anunoby. It's all about building those guys up too, not necessarily to be stars, because let's be honest, those guys aren't really stars, but into players that fit alongside Pascal Siakam really, really well. And they think that they already have that too. And so it's all about so it's all about getting better and better and better and progressing them and building chemistry even more without Kawhi Leonard to rely on. That's really the big plan for them. Now for their goal in for the season to look back and say, hey, we accomplished something. I think at this point it's really making the playoffs with a young crew hopefully getting a high seed for them, uh, hopefully winning a series. That's really the main goal, getting to the playoffs with Pascal Siakam leading them. Um, and the goal really is more of a long-term goal rather than a look at the end of the season for them. It's more of, can we become a real title contender in two years with Pascal Siakam leading us? If they can accomplish that in two years, 
and they've accomplished their goal. They, they've accomplished what they needed to do this season and next season and the year after that. Their goal is, for this season, just get playoff experience. Yes, they already had playoff experience, but that was with Kawhi Leonard. You're starting from scratch now. Blank slate. Can you get playoff experience with Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet leading the charge? And yes, Kyle Lowry's there, but he's not leading the charge anymore. That's the main goal. Next, I have the Philadelphia 76ers, and whew, they're interesting. They are very, very interesting. They almost made it to the Eastern Conference Finals, and if they did, I think that they would have been a better match for the Bucks in the sense that they would have been a bit weaker than the 76 and uh, the that they would have been weaker than the Raptors. Because the Raptors just, yes, they went not too well, but then they just blasted off after that. I think that if it was the 76ers and the Bucks had been a bit more entertaining back and forth, tug of war, going to maybe game seven. But I think that the 76ers, they almost made it to the Eastern Conference Finals to play against the Milwaukee Bucks. Of course, they didn't because of the Kawhi's clutch shot, whatever whatever you want to call it, the double, this version, the triple, quadruple doink. Um, their playoff, their pretty much championship trophy hopes were killed by that shot. But now the idea is, what now? They lost Jimmy Butler. Um, what now? They got... Josh Richardson, they got Al Horford, they beefed up on defense. And I think that now it's about using that defense, that length, figuring out that rotation with Embiid, Horford, uh, Tobias Harris, Josh Richardson, Ben Simmons. Figuring, figuring out that rotation, which is going to be more defensive heavy, and figuring out the offense around that rotation. Especially with figuring out how they're going to produce in late-game situations because last season, they were they were not great in late-game situations, mainly because Ben Simmons could not shoot. However, we've seen videos of him being able to shoot now from deep three. So if he's able to do that on a consistent basis, hopefully the 76ers team looks a lot better, plays a lot better, functions a lot better and can actually get to the finals. And that's and that's their goal ultimately. This season is not about, oh we made it to the playoffs, we got some some nice experience. We're we're tinkering with some stuff. No. This season is about getting to the finals. In that bare minimum. Bare minimum. Getting to Eastern Conference playoffs. Or Eastern Conference finals. My brain is not working today. Getting to the Eastern Conference Final at the bare, bare, bare minimum. Because the only other team that's really on their level and that took a hit was the Milwaukee Bucks. So they have a real shot at getting to the finals. And that's all about just making sure that offense works, especially in late game situations. Okay, for the Boston Celtics now. They lost, just to recap, they lost Kyrie Irving, they lost... Terry Rozier, they lost Al Horford, they, they lost a couple players. Biggest of which, like I mentioned before, Kyrie Irving and Terry Rozier. But they picked up 
Kemba Walker. They did pick up Kemba Walker, who I believe can actually be a nice fit for them, especially since he's not as, uh, I would say, passionate in his own way as Kyrie Irving. Because Kyrie Irving is like, give me the ball and I'll go isocentric. No, Kemba wants to win, and he'll win by any means necessary, even if that means giving up the ball. I believe that. I believe that. But the what now is dealing with Kemba. I know that goes back on what I said, but just hear me out. I believe that they're going to struggle a bit with Kemba Walker to start off with. I think Kemba has to break some bad habits that he built up in Charlotte, mainly of which is not completely his fault for building up those bad habits because he was the star of the Hornets for quite some time and he had to do whatever it took to win and he had a ball hog sometimes. He had to be like, give me the rock and let me just hoop and score. Because I know none of you guys are able to put the ball in the, put the, ball in the hoop. And so I think he has to break that bad habit and become more team ball movement centric. Become more of what Brad Stevens wants in, in in the team's system for the game, for their game plan, game plan, which is more team oriented. And that goes for the whole team really with Jason Tatum and uh, Jalen Brown. Jason Tatum took a second year dip. Jalen Brown was all right throughout the season. He had his moments, had his had his bumps for sure. But I think for for all of them, it's more of becoming a more team playing basketball team rather than an isocentric basketball team. Tatum went full that whole Celtics team last year went full isocentric. Jason Tatum was trying to do what Kobe taught him to do, but to the extreme, just going one-on-one, taking bad shots. Jalen Brown did some of that too, not really so much. Um, Kemba has done the whole same thing in Charlotte for however long he's been there, but they can't do that iso ball anymore. They got to function as a team, get other people involved, because like, that gets everyone involved. Teammates, bench, coach, fans, everyone. I believe that they'll be fine for the season, but they'll struggle a bit. They won't be title contenders, but their main goal will be getting to the playoffs, developing J- uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown into what they look like they could be or what their potential looks like it could be. And also for on that note, scoring-wise, I think overall that they would like Kemba Walker, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown to be three-headed monster. Well, mini-monster, really. And as a trio, average a combined 60 points per game. I think, that, I, think that's their, I think that's what their hope is, reality-wise. Probably not going to happen, but it's all about the growth and development of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown as scorers, but also team-centric players, as well as putting Kemba Walker there as a leader to get them to the playoffs. And that's their main goal, to get to the playoffs and compete.
I digress. Alright. Next, I have the Brooklyn Nets. And for them, it's pretty cut and dry. Brooklyn Nets and then the New York Knicks is pretty cut and dry. Brooklyn Nets, they got Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, DeAndre Jordan. We all know the story with Kevin Durant. He's injured. He's out potentially for the whole season. Still unsure whether he's going to be out for the whole season, definitely, or if he's going to maybe come back if they get to the postseason and are real contenders. They obviously lost D'Angelo Russell to the Golden State Warriors. And I think that for the Nets, their plan is pretty cut and dry. All of it's just getting healthy and develop, a health, uh, develop chemistry. There we go. They have that young group. I almost said talented. They are talented. They had that young, talented group last season that had tremendous chemistry. Over 100% chemistry. Maybe even more than 100%. They were dancing on the bench as a team. They were celebrating. They were supporting each other. All that stuff. I think that Kyrie needs to take it into his own hands and make sure that he develops a chemistry with that whole team. Especially after the damage that he did in Boston. Especially after that. To not only untarnish his name, but so that that team is set up for when KD comes. So that it's an easy so that's an easier transition from Kyrie as the sole leader to Kevin Durant as the now leader. And I think that game plan wise, Kyrie needs to do what he's always done in developing a good pick-and-roll game with DeAndre Jordan, Jared Allen, with the bigs. But at the same time, he has to get other people involved on that team. So, this whole season really depends on Kyrie Irving and whether he is up to the challenge of leaving what he did in Boston behind and moving on and learning from his mistakes. Their goal for the season Pretty simple. Playoffs. Getting to the playoffs, really. And I want to say that their goal is to get the top four seed. Top four seed, potentially get into a spot where they can compete. And at that point, you may be able to bring Kevin Durant in. But I would say, I would say, don't rush him. At all. At all. Only put him in. If it's 100% guaranteed that he cannot re-injure his Achilles or quads or anything like that. And that his injury risk goes down to a normal injury risk that just comes with playing basketball. Rather than a higher risk that comes with coming off an injury. I would say preserve him for the following season. That way you can really, really compete. So, their goal... Make the playoffs, top first seed possibly, and maybe get in a position where Katie's completely healthy and maybe compete for a championship this year. But everything's gonna be set up for here on out. If you can't do that, just plan from here on out for next season. It's all about the future for the Nets. Now for the New York Knicks. I mean, they lost. I don't even know who they lost. They didn't lose anyone, really. Grand or, oh, I guess Courtney Lee. 
right? He's with the Mavericks now. But they picked up Taj Gibson, Bobby Portis, Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett from the draft. I mean, their plan for the season and their goal for the season is pretty much the exact same thing. Develop a nice duo or chemistry or both, preferably both, between R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle. That's pretty much it. And while doing that, their goal and plan also is to keep R.J. Barrett from ball-hogging or basically going full what Kemba Walker had to do in Charlotte, which is just take the ball and try to carry the whole team, which is impossible to do. You can't do it. You really can't do it. You need to have talent and more pieces around you in order for you to actually do that. So at this point, it's just getting that duo of R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle to get going. That's really it. That's really, really, really it. All right, I'm going to take a break, and I'll be back. And we're going to talk about everything I am incorrect about. And it's really only three things, everything else I'm holding off on, because I don't want to rush into it, say I'm wrong, and then be like, oh, well, I ended up being right. So, stay tuned. All right, let's go. Let's go over what I've done absolutely wrong so far. Alright, I have gotten three things wrong completely. Yes, I did a video before on spot on or spun off, and that was like little things like predictions and stuff like that. But those were like standings or, there's many standings really, or records, or a way that a team plays. But this is like full on predictions that I have gotten way off the mark. So let's go with the first one. The first one was, it was actually kind of reasonable until something happened. It was my MVP prediction. I had Andrew Luck winning the MVP. And that was reasonable. I thought that was incredibly reasonable. Until, of course, he retired. So how much of that is really my fault? I don't know. But, it does now look like it there's going to be a two-man race between Patrick Mahomes and Christian McCaffrey. Now, it all depends on whether or not one gets injured or not. Patrick Mahomes has gotten beaten up quite a bit. He's had some games where he looks like he's limping just a tad. But earlier this season, I said Patrick Mahomes is not winning back-to-back -back MVPs. But it, is but it is looking like he very well can. He has had... A tremendous start so far, even though they, they lost to the Colts recently. I think that they're not 4 and 1, the Chiefs are. But he's on pace to pass for 6,000 yards, which is insane to think about. And he's obviously very, very talented. He very well could win back to back MVPs. He has, he's been amazing. He's been crazy, crazy good. And Christian McCaffrey, on the other hand, has been also incredible. Just, he has been carrying that team. He has been having crazy stats. I proclaimed him as the best running back in the league until I can really compare him to Saquon Barkley because Saquon Barkley has been injured and therefore is out. And I cannot compare an injured person to a fully healthy person who is carrying up the league. So I completely bombed there. 
how much of it is my fault, I really don't know. But I got it completely wrong, so there we go. Another one was the 49ers, and not their team. I don't trust that offense at all, but I'm talking more about their defense. I thought that their defense would need time to gel because they got young Nick Bosa, they got Quan Alexander from free, they got some free agency pieces, Quan Alexander, Jason, Jason Verrett. I thought that they would need time to gel together and really, you know, get, need some time to really be a force because their defense looks nice on paper, but I thought that it would need some time to really become that force that it could be. Oh, boy, I was wrong. Their defense is amazing. Yes, they haven't played top caliber team. Teams they've played, teams like the Bucks, Steelers, who they barely beat. Um, they played some other team I can't remember. They had a bye week, and then they played against the Browns, who they smacked. But I don't think their offense is really all that. I think their offense is still really shaky. I don't trust it really with Jimmy Garoppolo just yet. So I'm going to hold off there. But their defense has been incredible, amazing. Their defense really has been giving them these wins. That game against the Browns, I mean, it could have been really, really, really good. But, the, who was it? Number 11. Starts with a C. I'm Antonio Callaway. There we go. He dropped a bullet pass right to his chest from Baker Mayfield for a touchdown, and went right into the arms of, of a defender from the from the from the San Francisco 49ers. I cannot speak today, and he ran it back not for a touchdown but for a good amount of yards. Richard Sherman obviously got that early interception off off um, Baker Mayfield after. The offense just scored an 83-yard touchdown with Matt Breida. Again, off one carry. I really don't trust that offense. But their defense has been keeping them in games, and I really thought that that defense needed time to gel to get that good. But they've been spectacular so far. Nick Bosa has been, has been doing really, really well. Their defense overall has been doing really, really well. All right. It's always wrong there. Next, and most painfully, I've been wrong about my Chargers. I really, I really thought that they, I really, really thought that they would do better. I had them going thirteen and three. Part of that was maybe just a bit of bias. You can say eleven and five, twelve and four, but they're two and three. That is unacceptable. I really don't know what's going wrong. Their defense isn't playing bad. Their run defense hasn't been there for quite some time now. Still, really isn't there. They don't possess the ability to stop people, really. But when they do, their offense can't do anything, which is frustrating. So I'm going to do a video mainly focusing on the Chargers' offense. And I'm going to try to figure out why the heck... I know, pardon my language. Why the heck they suck so much this season? They're 2 and 3. They don't really suck, but... Really, the Raiders are three and two, and you're two and three. Come on, come on. You went to the playoffs last year. Come on, you can do better than this. So that's where that's what I've gone completely wrong so far. I'm gonna do a video on that, and it makes me sad that I have to do that, and I've been trying not to do that because I don't want to 
cry while watching film. I really don't. But I will. So I've gotten that wrong. And then there are some other things that is look it's looking like I'm gonna get wrong, but I'm still holding out because I still wanna see how it flushes out. Such as the Packers and Browns. Packers, I didn't think that they'd be this good. They're four and one right now. I think four yeah, four and one. I have them going nine and seven. And bully I think nine and seven. But they're looking great. Their defense has actually looked pretty good. I thought that their defense is a bit overrated, and I think it still is, but their defense has definitely improved. Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Jones, like I said, with Matt LaFleur, they're, they're going to turn to a more run-heavy offense, and they have with Aaron Jones, and he's looked great. He had four touchdowns against the Cowboys. I mean, he's, he's looked amazing. And then with the Browns, I'm, I'm, definitely, I'm definitely going to do a video on Baker Mayfield and especially over the losses and maybe some of the wins to see why they've lost those games or why he's thrown those interceptions. Stuff like that. So some of it's not his fault, some of it is his fault. And part of it is his emotions getting the better of him. And especially after that Matt Breida 83 yard touchdown where Baker wanted to get a big play and he threw it right into the hands of Richard Sherman. That's an example right there of emotion in a quarterback getting the better of it. So, that's to look forward to. Anyways, those are the three main things I've gotten wrong. And I just really wanted to, I wanted to talk about it because I feel like it's necessary to point out that I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. I, I try to predict things as accurately as possible, but sometimes things happen where it's unforeseen. Anyways, thank you for listening to the G2. And I don't really have an outro. Just thank you for listening. That's really it. Thank you for listening. Be sure to like, subscribe, follow, and share this podcast out with friends, family, whoever. Anyways, thank you for listening. Peace out.